Hi, I'm Edwin Charles Marr, and thanks for tuning in to the first episode of my new podcast series, Bored to Sleep. Do you have trouble nodding off when your head hits the pillow? There's nothing more frustrating, especially when we know that proper function of our mind and body depends on a good night's sleep, no matter what our age, occupation or role in life. Research into the subject has shown that when we're bored, the mind and body relax, and that puts us in a state where we could easily nod off. Think of times when you've sat through a boring lecture or meeting, or with a group of people where someone's conversation is so uninteresting, the talker won't shut up. Well, the episodes in this podcast series will be so boring I hope you'll nod off before the last words drift towards your ears. But before that happens, let me explain. Each episode, I'll write and read a story I've literally dreamed up while I was awake. And while there is a touch of humour mixing fact with fiction, they're going to be so boring, the best part will be if you never get to hear the end of them. Well, most of us have had that experience of our mind going into overdrive when head hits pillow, but after trying various ways to clear out the mental garbage, I found that getting my mind to recall the most essential part of daily life, what I ate that day, was a sure way of getting me to sleep. It's not as easy as you think to remember these details, Unlike the easy recall of perhaps an argument with someone in the family or at work. And the best thing is, it's not usually judgmental, even if you burned the toast or slightly overcooked the chicken. But even if you did, it won't get the adrenaline pumping when you note it in your mental recall. Have you ever been asked by someone, what did you have for dinner last night? you're likely to reply something along these lines. Heck no, I can't even remember what I had for lunch today. And that's a typical response, unless lunch was truly out of the ordinary and at some classy restaurant. But even then, you might have difficulty remembering the exact menu and precisely what was on your plate. What came first? What was served for the entree? The main course? What was dessert? And did you drink something with the meal? Wine, water or beer? In a few minutes, you're going to be bored to sleep. So forget the sleeping pills. Go to bed and lie on your back. Close your eyes and try mentally recalling what you ate today. Start with the first thing you had for breakfast. It's not as easy as you think to remember each item of food, especially if that first meal was more than a quick cup of coffee on the run. Suppose you started off with fruit juice. Remember what kind it was. Then recall the next things you ate. Was it yogurt? Followed by cereal? Fruit? Toast? Coffee? And in what order? Don't move your mind further until you recognise each drink and item of food. 
At this stage, your mind may jump to something totally unrelated. As I mentioned, the possibility of having an argument with somebody either at work or in the family. Don't dwell on that or start feeling guilty. On the other hand, you may have even been offered a pay rise. Good luck to you if you were. And you just remembered an appointment for tomorrow. Acknowledge it, but don't dwell on any of these unrelated thoughts. There is no reason to focus on anything of a negative or even positive nature. Just the food you ate. And remember, it shouldn't involve judging yourself, even if you did have an extra slice of cake when you're trying to lose some weight. The important point here is to come back to the breakfast, start there, and then slowly get yourself through the other meals of the day. Make sure you remember everything you had and in what order. Keeping your eyes closed and then only briefly recall what you did next. If it was getting ready for work or going out and the route you took on public transport or in your car. Now, if you've finished remembering everything you had for breakfast, move towards lunch and recall what you ate. And once again, in what order? Don't think about how it tasted. Just remember the items of food and drink. What you prepared, what you had to eat and drink. At this stage, you'll be finding less of those intrusive thoughts. Your body will be getting ready for a good night's sleep. Now, try to keep going to the last meal of the day. What you had for supper tea or dinner. You're catching up to the moment when your day ended and you're almost in real time again. And if you still haven't nodded off, was there a nightcap, like a cup of hot chocolate or glass of milk? The last thing you had to eat or drink. Recall it and relax. As you're slowly drifting off, it's time for our first story. And it's about someone whose works we either admired when we were at school or couldn't wait for the class to end. It's called Who Was the Real Shakespeare? When we hear the name Shakespeare, we immediately think of the English world's greatest classical playwright. And if William Shakespeare is a turn-off for you, this story will help the process of being bored to sleep. So, who was this man, the man whose name we know so well? There are suggestions that he was in fact not British, but belonged to a tribe of nomads in an unspecified South American jungle, possibly in Brazil. When his father's tribe went hunting, one of the young sons usually ran away and hid from the others. The reason was The boy did not have a steady hand, and whenever he threw his spear, he became very nervous, his arm shaking and, not surprisingly, always missing the target. As a result, his brothers called him Shakespeare. They banished him from the tribe, and feeling unwanted to say the least, Shakespeare packed a bag, and with his meagre savings, farewelled his beloved family, promising that one day they would be proud of him 
and he would support them with a fortune that he would find in a country far, far away. Shakespeare was almost out of the jungle clearing when he realised he had forgotten something that would help him on his journey of discovery. He crept back through the undergrowth and startled his parents, who couldn't believe their son had returned so quickly. It is I, the nervous one, who shakes his spear standing before you, Shakespeare announced. I have forgotten something which will take me further than your eyes can see and the distance your spears can throw. I've forgotten my smartphone, he declared. This amazed his family, who didn't know what he was talking about, because the smartphone had not yet been invented. The young Shakespeare re-entered the mud hut, which he and his family of thirteen shared, and with words neither his parents nor siblings could understand, he said, I left it behind the flat-screen TV in a cavity which I made in the wall. The family members knew Shakespeare had a vivid imagination, but like the smartphone, television was not even in the minds of the world's most forward thinkers at this time of civilization, let alone as puzzled family members. But with his boundless imagination, Shakespeare could look far beyond the eyes of others, They were blind to what he could see. Stretching his arm behind the TV, which was showing the local football results, Shakespeare grabbed the phone and bid farewell to his beloved family again. One of his siblings was heard to say, He'll be back, but Shakespeare ignored the comment, instead blowing everyone a kiss and leaving for the second time within half an hour. The jungle clearing was only 20 minutes away, and as Shakespeare walked along the well-worn track, he could feel the wind turn colder. He knew the sea was not far away, and its breezes beckoned him to the shore, where ships came in and out of the busy harbour. As he drew closer, the lights of the vessels revealed their tall masts and sails, and Shakespeare knew one of them would take him to a new land, where he could find Wi-Fi to operate his smartphone and the laptop he had carefully placed in his backpack. The young adventurer had taught himself to read, and as he arrived at the dockside, his eyes caught sight of a ship, its stern bearing the name Richard III. The port of registration was Stratford-upon-Avon, Shakespeare may have been nervous hunting in the jungle where his spears always missed their target, but his confidence surged as he walked unhesitatingly up the gangplank and made up a story which convinced the officers he had been hired as storyteller for the long voyage to Stratford. Holding his breath, the daring escapade was almost complete. Shakespeare was directed to a luxuriously appointed cabin, complete with running water, self-loading kerosene lamps and butler provided. The young man knew destiny had answered the question he had always asked himself, right from the time he threw his first spear while hunting game in the jungle. As the spear left his hand, he would ask himself, to be or not to be, that is the question. 
Nine times out of ten, the answer would be in the negative, as the animal looked up and seemingly knew it was only Shakespeare. There was no need to run. But as the young man lay on the huge cabin bed, its soft mattress almost lulling him into a deep sleep, like the one that's putting you into yours, he reached for his smartphone to check out the reviews on TripAdvisor for hotels in Stratford-upon-Avon. Shakespeare was so tired, his smartphone fell from his hand as his eyes closed and he drifted into a deep sleep. With the voyage completed seven weeks later, Shakespeare disembarked at Stratford-upon-Avon and the rest is history.